Tonight's guest is the host of the fantastic Modern Wisdom podcast, a show that aims to help you get a further understanding of yourself and the world around you. From psychologists to life coaches to athletes to physicists, this is a man that has interviewed a number of the leading experts in his field, and we are here to delve into some of the lessons that he has learned along the way. Chris Williamson, welcome to the Freedom Pact. Thank you, man. It's a pleasure to be here. Wonderful. Uh, can you just give us a run-through of, of your life and what's led you here, and just for some context for our audience? <laughs> yeah, sure. Um, so, uh, I guess I'm a club promoter as trade. Um, my uh, teeth have been cut in the commercial sector, I suppose, running a business called Voodoo Events for the last uh, 12 years, 13 years or so. Sat next to my would-be business partner at my first ever seminar at uni at Newcastle, and we still haven't managed to get rid of each other since then. Um, so we've run club nights. Most of your listeners will be familiar with the, the promoters that try and get them to go out to weekly events, and that's that's us. If you've been to Newcastle, you've probably been to one of our events. We've had about a thousand thousand events, around about a million lifetime entries. So we've we've got to see quite a lot of human behaviour. I've been exposed to a lot of human behaviour, and some of it at its best, and some some of it at its worst, I suppose. Um, <laughs> did two degrees, two degrees at Newcastle Uni. Did a masters in international marketing, bachelor's in business management, um, and then. Yeah, I, uh, I did a little bit of reality TV stuff. I did Take Me Out, and then I did Love Island on the first season. I was the first person through the doors of the Love Island villa um, in uh, on the first ever season, which was fun. And kind of, I always make this joke that it, uh, it dealt me a fatal dose of contrast between the person who I thought I was and people who were actually like that. Uh, so I was around these hyper lads in a very uh, intense, uh, very undiluted environment for a long time. Um, you know, you, you're living with these people for a month or so, and there's there's no escape, there's no distraction, there's nothing to none of your typical comforts. And um, while I was there, I kind of realised that I was potentially on a path, or I I was living a life that wasn't very virtuous um, and probably didn't strike a chord with my innermost truth so that propelled me toward trying to do some introspective work and some self-reflection and some learning and stuff like that um, and expose myself to some mindful content that would hopefully help me to understand who I actually am and yeah that, that's that's kind of what brought me on to um, using the podcast it's a Modern Wisdom is my little baby. It's uh, the first non-commercial project that I've ever done. Everything's always been... I'm a thoroughbred, a thoroughbred capitalist through and through. Um, and I, I, I love operating a commercially successful business, but I've found a very different sort of satisfaction from doing the podcast. And it's an arena in which I can um, rigorously test the things that I think and the things that I believe. And it's been a very important part of continuing my... Uh, self-development as you mentioned I've got to interview very fortunately some of the literally the, the cleverest people on the planet um, and when you are forced to hold your own in the field of battle so to speak which is the discourse backwards and forwards with these sort of people um, you inevitably end up having to sharpen your your tools pretty quick 
so it's it's been a a really a really good experience i mean it's it's rare i suppose that many people would say well what, what was the best thing that you got out of going on reality tv and the answer would be oh well it it actually catapulted me towards a life of virtue and integrity most people are like oh well got to shag got to shag loads of birds and i got a blue tick on twitter and this that, and the other um but yeah so for me i i guess i had a an atypical profit from being on reality tv but it was uh I wouldn't. I wouldn't change it for the world. It was. It's exactly what I needed at the time, and I, I often think that life tends to deliver us that. So yeah, that's uh, that's me in a nutshell. <laughs> that's some answer. I think that's the best answer we've ever received on the show to a question. <laughs> um, so you said you talked about the. It was like the self-reflection bit, and that that sort of contrast between the person in which you thought you were in the person, and like sort of like an inner battle with the person that you want to be. Was that what let, really led you to start in the podcast called Modern Wisdom? Um, so that was what that was what forced me into uh, embracing my true inner nature. I think so. For a long time, I'm, I'm an only child. Uh, I've always had a keen intellectual interest, and I've always been quite mindful, quite introspective. But the industry that I've worked in for a decade club promo industry and, and the role that I took within our company for that was one of the figurehead it was big dick party boy lad round town all that sort of stuff and that had led me to this particular uh, contrast in what I wanted to be or what I should be and who I was acting um, so that that contrast was what kind of catapulted me towards having to find some sort of a solution to it which was exposing myself to just crushing amounts of mindful, emotionally intelligent content. Uh, Alain de Botton from the School of Life's a massive influence. Sam Harris, Jordan Peterson, um, you know, these guys who uh, kind of take truth as their uh, as the tip of the spear, uh, because I was living a life that was so far away from truth and virtue. Not that I was lying every day, but I, I'd, I'd spent so long playing a role, I didn't really even know who I was anymore. So that was the that was what happened as a part of uh, off the back of completing Love Island. But um, the reason for the podcast, I, I guest appeared on Propane Fitness, which is run by two of my buddies, Yusuf and Johnny. Anyone who listens to Modern Wisdom will know that they're regular guests with me, and they're fantastic podcasters. They're consistently in the top top 100 worldwide on uh, fitness and health and fitness. Um, and I just love the process. I, I, like I say, I find being forced to be intellectually rigorous with your thoughts and being forced to articulate what it is that you have in your mind is something that everybody needs to do. Even if you're listening to this podcast and you can't think of the last time that you had a conversation with someone that lasted for more than half an hour uninterrupted where it was pushing you to the limits of what you can do cognitively, then you are in the same way as someone who's sedentary on the couch and not utilizing their body. You're not fully utilizing your mind and your mouth. And too often we have a... Um, uh, very disjointed and uh, incremental set of conversations in between sending fucking tweets and receiving emails and dealing with all of the tiny micro tasks that we have to do on a daily basis. No one actually ever sits down and does the verbal equivalent of deep work anymore. So for me, by making a promise to the listeners that I was going to release one every week, it meant that I knew I was getting, you know, between... 50 and 100 or 200 hours worth of 
conversations in every year, which has been a, a real massive benefit to me. One of the things I, I, I personally like most about the podcast is the varying guests. I mean, as we said, you, you could go from talking to a physicist to talking to, you know, someone about relationship advice and things like that. And with that many varied conversations, it, ju- it just made me wonder personally for you, is there a specific episode so far anyway that will always stick out in your mind as maybe your favorite due to maybe resonating with you personally? Mm, yeah, good point. So probably How to Survive University was my favorite. Um, one of the reasons for that is that my job over the last 10 years has been trying to guide our members of staff. We've had maybe between 1,500 and 2,000 members of staff work for us. There's a high turnover, obviously. Everyone's only here for a couple of years. Um, but we've we've had a very high turnover of staff, and being able to glean the top sort of 1% of, of lessons that I've seen happen in front of my eyes. How to Survive University was a special one. Uh, I did one um, called Endurance with a guy called Alex Hutchinson, which for anyone who is into their sport is, is nothing short of a game changer. I recommend that you read his book as well, Endure, Finding the Limits of Human Performance. Uh, and he, he was just amazing. So yeah, between, between those two, um, we've had some really good ones. Obviously, we've had, we've had some massive guests. We've had New York Times bestseller Rick Hansen, uh, Netflix special comedian Daniel Sloss talking about relationships, and uh, you know we ha- we have some fun ones. But yeah, the, those two were two favourites of mine for sure. Can you think of any habits, uh, lessons, beliefs that you yourself have personally learned from, say, some of the world class performers that you've interviewed? that have maybe had like a lasting impact on your life or any really practical tips or moments of self-reflection which you've learned from one of your guests and they've benefited your life in any way oh wow um so we have a series called life hacks and if your listeners are keen to get the kind of kind of prescriptive Pareto top 20 percent of everything that we've ever used in our lives um then i recommend that they go and check those out because spending time with some of the best minds in the world is great but I often find that those guys are so far beyond prescription that they're very conceptual so you have to do a lot of the work to actually uh, manifest a a direct takeaway from it whereas the life hacks episodes that we do is the, the complete opposite of that it's the antithesis so some of the things that your listeners should begin doing immediately is includes uh, turning the speed up on your trackpad as high as it'll go. For about two days or so, you'll be overshooting and missing everything that you try and click on. But within two days, you'll be, without exaggeration, between 10 to 20% faster across all operations you do on your laptop. It's simply a game changer for us. Um, other things that are kind of foundational, I mean, we must have done, we literally must have done 300 or 400 life hacks. Uh, driving an automatic car, everybody should be doing that. If you're just still driving manual, you're just wasting energy, wasting your left leg. Set of AirPods, everybody needs to listen to things in AirPods, just piss all over every other type of <laughs> headphone that you can get. Um, we spend a lot of time talking about apps and, and um, shortcuts that we use, resources that we like. Medium for news and for articles is honestly unbeatable as far as I'm concerned. Uh, if you think that Google ranks things based on relevancy, Medium ranks them based on effectiveness, which is obviously the way that you want it. You don't want to see what's most relevant to your search term. You want to see what's the best answer 
to your search term and those two things don't always lie over the top of each other um to me a pregnancy pillow if you are a bigger guy that that uh, wakes up with shoulder aches in the morning buying a pregnancy pillow from amazon they're about 20 quid for the bottom end ones or 60 quid for the higher end ones and it's it will completely change the way that you sleep um it, it's been a massive a massive change for me so yeah those those are some fundamental ones automatic car airpods up your trackpad speed pregnancy pillow that's that's your basis there that's your your modern wisdom foundations for life hacks yeah that's really interesting i noticed that you were extremely big into mindfulness and meditation do you use apps for for that process or or is it just uh just a a journey with just yourself and and your breathing and your thoughts or are there specific apps like like sam harris i noticed you mentioned him yeah yeah. the waking app yeah. Sam Harris's Sam Harris's app is um is fantastic. Waking up, actually, if any of your listeners want to check out check out, they can get a month for free if they use the code Modern Wisdom. Just type Modern Wisdom in, you get full access to everything for a month for free. We're, we're doing a partnership with those guys, which is awesome. Um, Headspace was what kind of started me off, which is unbelievable. Um, it's consistent and it helps you to focus on on just getting the time under tension that you need like consistency of practice is the number one reason that people struggle with meditation they're just not doing it enough and they're not doing it consistently enough uh, i've now actually got a meditation coach a guy called brian manialsko who is a student of shinzen young's and i'm following shinzen's five ways uh currently following that uh which is a very very prescriptive way to break down the sensations that you feel uh either thoughts in the mind uh internal monologue and then somatic uh body sensations um and that's been very challenging but i'm, I'm absolutely loving that and you know i'm sure i'll go back to guided meditation at some point but yeah i mean headspace calm and waking up any of those are uh, fantastic although my my preference out of the lot would be would be headspace mm. is it just normal meditation or is it transcendental or uh, a lot of vipassana um mm. i guess for, for myself my goal is to just quieten the mind uh for the time being i've been consistently meditating for around about sort of two and a half years now um and still like i, I feel like i'm only just scratching the surface which i guess a lot of people do um yeah, I'm not. I haven't got into much of the the really funky stuff yet. I've done some um, astral projection with a guy called Corey Allen, uh, who I've featured on the podcast episode number thirteen, which is really good. And if someone, if any of your listeners are wanting to really step up their guided meditation, then his meditation course that he did in collaboration with Aubrey Marcus, the owner of Onnit, mm. is called Release Into Now. And it's partnered with binaural beats and specific hertz frequencies that um, uh, trigger different kinds of brain waves at different level, at different sections of the podcast. It is the best guided meditation that I've ever found. Uh, but it's the sessions are half an hour long, and it's a six-week course, and you're not supposed to miss a day. So, if you're, if you feel like you're ready to make that transition, then I, I, I strongly recommend that you do. But it's not for the faint-hearted. There's a full week where you're chanting every morning. So if you've got a, a wife or a girlfriend, they may be uh, requesting that you go and do that downstairs. <laughs> was there a 
you know a certain moment or realization you had that piqued your interest in mindfulness because I think for me it was the way life was sort of like passing me by so fast or the way I would react to situations and give my energy to things that I didn't really need to was there any moment or realization you had that sort of brought you into that world um nothing in particular I, I think everyone who's listening will agree with you that as you get older life seems to move a lot more quickly um Yusuf, who is the co-host of the show, is a very big proponent of mindfulness and being around him, by nature of like pure osmosis, I was going to start meditating because he's so big into it. Um, but yeah, it, it was just in the same way as your body needs the gym, your mind needs meditation of one form or another. And, you know, I mentioned earlier on that I feel like there's an equivalent deep workflow state that you get from really engaging in a conversation with, with somebody. And, you know, that is another form of mental training as far as I'm concerned. And one that's that's equally important uh, as, as doing the mindfulness stuff. But, yeah, I think for me it was just I want myself to be the best version of me that I can be. And part of that involves not being at the mercy of the next thought that comes careening into my mind um you shouldn't spend your life at the mercy of your thoughts like the alan de Botton video that i always quote all the time and anyone who needs something to watch for about six minutes that'll completely change their life should go and check it out and they it's called uh why we are fated to be lonely on the school of life pod, uh, school of life youtube channel and it's just fantastic and in that he says ultimately we will always die alone uh those who we love as much as they may wish as well and nothing more than strangers standing on the shore while we drown in the swell and you think well, that's really fucking morbid mate but on the flip side it's the truth that you are you are going to enter and leave this world with nothing more than your mind and as sam harris says your mind is all you have it's all you've ever had it's all you have to offer other people if that's the truth then girdling your mind to work for you instead of against you should be the number one task on everybody's list there should only be one task on people's to-do lists and it is control my mind like <laughs> just written a hundred times a day and and then once you've completed the day then you do that because everything else is everything else cascades down from it everything else is a, a second order effect of how much you control your mind and direct your attention hmm I think that's 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 a really really important point, and I think if our listeners only take one thing away from this episode, then I think that 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 is just so so imperative, and and this is something which we've spoken about before, and I think I thought that was that was like a really useful point. You started a a a podcast, uh, Lewis and I. We've we've been listening for a while. Um, after we listened to, I think it was the. The Daniel Sauce episode, the 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 Netflix comedian, I think that was it. I thought I just we just had a conversation. We said we need to get we need to get Chris on the show. <laughs> what what's what's the goal of 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 the show or or the impact that you want to make or or is it just a a uh, a hedonistic project or just something which which you just enjoy or is there a, a bigger impact that you want to make? It's a good question. Not a super simple question to answer, but I'll give it a shot. So, um, I love the process of the podcast of being able to craft something which is purely for the virtue of its own existence. So, like I said before, I, 
been a businessman for literally since I've been an adult. Like I was, I was 18 for six months and then I was a business owner. And then that's been my character ever since. So there's something very liberating about doing something purely for the enjoyment of it. It's what people who have a really, really deep hobby must feel if you just love painting, not to sell your paintings, but just because you love painting or you love playing the guitar, not because you want to sell, sell records, but because you enjoy the process of playing the guitar, whatever it might be. And I, I found that mine was talking, I guess, um, yeah, I think in terms of what I want to achieve with it, I, the synopsis of what it is is shit that I wish I'd known 10 years ago, which uh, uh, trying to disseminate that information to people and help them to avoid pitfalls and expedite success it is nice. So I have to try and marry those two things, right? I have to marry the fact that I want it for me and it's my baby project and I don't want to ever have to compromise it for anybody else. But on the flip side, as the audience has now grown and we've, we've reached over 5 million, we just tipped 5 million listen minutes since we launched a year ago, uh, like this month. So there is an argument to be made that you have a duty to the audience as well, because these people are putting their faith and investing their time into listening to the content that you put out. Um, and I've always said, like, I, I'd do the podcast even if nobody tuned in at all. And bizarrely, sometimes it might, it might even there would be an awful lot less pressure if people didn't tune in because I'd just be able to do, I'd be able to talk to anyone and mess up as much as I wanted and this, that, and the other. But I also like being held to a high standard. So, yeah, I, I don't really know where we're going with it. it. I know that it resonates with people, and I know that they they enjoy the conversations that we have. And I think that the podcasting platform in general, in a, a world where we're delivered, you know. 300 character tweets and news stories that are a couple of paragraphs long and uh, this bite-sized news i think the proliferation of guys like joe rogan and and sam harris and jordan peterson and eric and brett weinstein and these people who have very long very in-depth very nuanced conversations where they're discussing subtle points they're they're breaking down concepts into their component parts it's so absent from a lot of people's lives and the fact that you get such ridiculously high uptake from people it, it shows that it that there's an audience that's very hungry for that so yeah moving forward just continue to grow um we have got we've got a number of tie-ins that we're doing i'm working with a number of companies that i i care about and i know care about us so you know that's that's cool as well to actually be able to uh, collaborate with with awesome companies and then from a more kind of selfish point of view it's enabling me to travel all around like i'm flying out to la to do three podcasts in about a month's time i'm going to go and podcast with romwad then i'm going to go and fly out to boston to work with inside tracker who are a company that do blood work and genetic uh genetic testing and then uh, on my way to the airport from boston i'm dropping in to see david sinclair who is one of the world's leading experts in longevity. So I'm going to go and see him in, in Harvard and then, you know, fly back. And I, I was in Rome this weekend, but was invited down to Strength in Depth, which is a UK CrossFit sectionals event, to go and podcast uh, for Reebok with Samantha Briggs, who's ex-fittest woman on the planet and or 
multiple times games athlete so you know like the, the from a selfish perspective i enjoy the the experience of going to do it i enjoy the platform and the the actual process of the podcast itself and then yeah the fact that people actually seem to find it interesting and uh valuable is it adds a, a really nice bit of icing on the cake that man that sounds amazing and, and you mentioned david sinclair there i, I remember i think it was about a, a few weeks ago now he was on the joe rogan experience is that right yeah, and I meant that that was a fantastic podcast. So I'm that's a, that's going to be a really interesting uh, listen when you have your conversation with him. Yeah, so you spoke about your stint on reality TV sh- uh, shortly, and they were specifically dating shows. And recently on the podcast, we had Dr. Susan Quilliam, um, dating expert of the year, and we spoke a lot about dating in the modern society um, with things such as you know apps like Tinder and, and easily accessible. Uh, things like that. I just wanted to get your take on dating in the modern world and any tips you would have around that. It's a fucking minefield, isn't it? <laughs> <laughs> it's, just, it's, just, it's just a cesspool of, of uh, compromised virtue and, and uh, uh, people that don't know what they want. Um, it, it's difficult, man. Like, you know, we did it, we were on a relationships one of is coming up next on on modern wisdom and you know in that we, we've broken down everything that we can in it we were able to conceptualize and actually understand I think a lot of what's going on you can understand why men cheat you can understand why men are insecure you can understand why women cheat and why women are insecure and you know you can break it down conceptually but it really doesn't help when you are in the throes of a mind-bending, emotion-creating uh, relationship. Uh, I think, you know, some principles that people should stick to, which we've come up with on the show, are that you need to draw very, very sharp lines in the sand for yourself and for your partner about what you will accept from yourself and what you'll accept from them. I think a lot of the time it's death by a thousand cuts in relationships when they start to go wrong. You've compromised on what you'll accept a couple of times and then you've compromised on what you'll accept from yourself a couple of times. Maybe someone, maybe you didn't like what someone said or the, your partner was messaging someone else but they said it was not about this or not about that or whatever and you, you just concede ground or maybe you were the one that was doing it or maybe you like you know, held hands with someone at work or whatever it might be, the smallest little indiscretion and then it just continues to grow. I think a lot of the time people are, are so terrified of... Um, saying what it is that they want because they don't want to seem like they're hard work or on the flip side of that delivering uh, some degree of upset in a passive aggressive manner or in a very aggressive manner or whatever it might be um, that the message then gets completely misinterpreted either of those two things just uh, the ineffective ways to communicate so drawing hard lines in the sand this is what i will and will not accept if this happens then it's just a rule that i'm going to stick to it's the same you know we don't have rules on the road that say this is a slow bit this is a medium bit this is a fast bit this is a very fast bit it's hard lines in the sand that you know when you are going too fast and when you're not and i think you need to treat yourself in a similar manner when you're in a relationship uh i think as well especially young guys and girls like i i we don't excuse cheating on the show and I'm in no way an advocate of it, but I do think that you have to be understanding and more compassionate about when people 
both want to be in a relationship but also can't keep their bits in their pants because I think it's it's just uh, so I, I had a buddy who I was on Love Island with and he said this sentence to me that I'll never forget he was talking about his ex-girlfriend who he kept cheating on but he really liked it and he said man do you know what it is like I loved it a bit but I just can't keep my dick in my pants and I'm like well, right there in front of you you have managed to break down probably 50% of what young guys and young girls feel that they have this particular connection to someone but at the same time for some reason maybe after they've had a few drinks or maybe after they do whatever they're away from their partner or whatever it might be they start to compromise on those values but they still like them but they still want to sleep around and you're like how can I hold these two things at the same time it's like well because the human mind is the single most complicated thing in the universe there's more neurons in a single square centimetre of brain tissue than there are stars in our galaxy like how the fuck did you think it was going to be easy it's not a straight cut line and it's not like a white picket fence and you're not a hermetically sealed controllable robot you're a very complicated living biological system with uh, evolutionary forces acting on it that are millions and millions of years old so you need to have a degree of compassion with yourself where you allow yourself to let things pass mistakes from yourself and slights from other people whilst at the same time like I say sticking to your guns uh, about what you will and will not accept I think if you can manage to do those two things like tell the truth and uh, be forthcoming about what your partner does that makes you feel good and what your partner does that makes you feel bad uh, I think if you can manage to do those things you'll, you'll probably be in the top percentile of, uh, of relationships and on the planet if you can do that it's interesting because in the so in the episode with the comedian okay. daniel slossoff uh from netflix it seemed like that uh, you guys had you're very much under the opinion of the best way i could say it, is almost as if you don't seem to be in favor of almost like fighting for a relationship type thing which seems to be almost fetishized in in you know modern society that if it's not difficult then then it's a bad relationship <laughs> what what is is that fair to say uh yeah so you are right daniel is a proponent of if i have an argument in the first year like a major argument then that's it i'm out um and there seems to be a belief that there is a particular type of nobility attached to sticking with a relationship which is difficult for no other reason than a, a sense of loyalty and you can see this You're, so I'll make a prediction with your with your listeners now that when season 5 of Love Island comes out this summer they will see their friends being more patriotic about the team that they are attached to which particular guy or girl is in the right or wrong on last night's episode of Love Island than they will ever see them being patriotic about about football, about politics, about anything, they will see them attach themselves more, more harshly to hashtag Team Adam or hashtag Team Liam or whatever it might be, like because people feel like there needs to be there needs to be some degree of commitment, uh, and that people should grit their teeth and grind through things and so many times you'll see you know love island again is a perfect example it's a dating show but it's also a game show like there's money at the end it's basically like uh, that 
uh, steal or, or split thing at the end, it reminds you that it is a game show. And they're talking about the money throughout. So, and even in that, you'll see people that have been together for two days and someone else will come in and someone will go off with someone else and they'll be like, I can't believe that they did that to her. Like, I just, he's such a dickhead. Like, she is, you know, she's the loveliest girl in the world. And you're right, they've been friends for two days. They're not boyfriend or girlfriend. They're not even seeing each other. And they're on a show purely for the reason to find people to get, get with. And yet, for some reason, people are like, no, 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 you should have stuck with her. Because there is a, it triggers on so many different levels that people think... I don't want I don't want someone to leave me when things get hard because that means that I'm the person who's left. And you're like, well, what do you want them to do? Do you want them to stay, like, and be miserable? Do you want them to waste your life and for you to be living this Truman Show type of like fucking farcical? relationship where the other person, everyone else, all of their friends know that they're unhappy, but you don't and and you're you've had the wall pulled over your eyes no of course you don't you don't want that either so i think again what, what it comes down to, some some people may be more than happy to take a partner back after they've cheated or uh, take a partner back after they've cheated twice or not take one back at all whatever it might be but as soon as you've made those lines in the sand that's fine that's that's for you uh, your personality to kind of judge i suppose but I do think that when that line gets crossed, you need to concede the fact that you will be fine and the other person will be fine if you move on. And it's it's fear of the unknown an awful lot, I think. People just don't... They're so terrified of what might happen if, if they decide to change what they do because we're creatures of habit. And, yeah, trying to find someone else is... Um, oddly both a really easy task and also fucking impossible at the same time. <laughs> I think I think I think that's 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 very uh, key what you said there, and we did speak to that with uh, Susan Quilliam, who was we had her on the show a few episodes back. She's a relationship psychologist, and she said that really what what keeps people in is is they run back to the familiar, even if they know that it's a bad situation or that it's not gonna go, just because they find it so difficult to jump into the unknown. They nobody likes that feeling of of discomfort or um, not knowing, and also I think that it's very easy to get drawn into that pattern where I think I think I've definitely been guilty of it. I'm I'm sh- I'm sure, you know, I'm I'm not the only one. Where you get drawn to like a comparison effect, where in your mind it's like, oh, this person that uh that I'm with now is treating me terribly is somehow the perfect person for me and there's no one else better for it. <laughs> and this was something which you talked oh, about yeah. in that show uh, with Daniel where, where he's like, oh, I can find you a hundred people in a one mile radius that are better for you. <laughs> what, what, what would you say to the people that, that are afraid to, to take that jump into the unknown and not go back to the, the, the poor familiar, if you will? Oh fuck it, man! Do it right now. Give me message me at Chris Willex. Message me on Instagram, and I'll talk you through it. I'll even write out the breakup message for you if you want. <laughs> like, you, need to be, you need to be fucking liberated from this. Yeah. Life is too short. Like it is far, far too short, man. Like I've, I've turned thirty-one this weekend, and I, I'm chronically aware of my own mortality now. Like it sounds again, it sounds incredibly morbid, but it's totally true. Life is too fucking short for you to spend your time with someone who does not make you absolutely as happy as you could possibly be. And the other thing as well is that, like, 
some of your listeners will if they're not the person then they'll know the person who can't bear to be on their own and mm. I'm like that is that is a very very dangerous piece of territory to get yourself into like you should you should revert back to being on your own like solitude should be the set point and a relationship should be the level up not that relationship is the set point and solitude is the is like some negative version of that it's like no 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 no, no. that's the the wrong way to look at it but man if if someone is unhappy like i have screen i have an album of screenshots of messages that I've had sent from listeners to the show who've said, like, I, I was in a terrible place with the relationship. I listened to what you said about drawing lines in the sand. I realized that I'd been lying to myself about how happy I was. Well, I, I was pretending that I was happy when I'm not. I decided to, you know, tell them, put up or shut up, like, you need to change and become the person that I want you to be, or you can fuck off. And they either did or they didn't, but both of those have a positive outcome. Like, both of those options either you become the person that I want you to be and you make me as happy as I want to be or we end this both of those can you can only benefit and the other person can as well because they don't want to be in a relationship with someone who's unhappy like you don't want to be unhappy in a relationship and they don't want to be in a relationship with someone who's unhappy and if they do it's because they prefer the idea of attachment more than the idea of a genuine connection and those people are like they're, they're so fucking dangerous like you know, I'm friends with a number of girls who just seem to bounce from relationship to relationship to relationship because they can't bear to be on their own. And like, oh, oh, dangerous, very, very scary waters to swim in those. Mm. Um, what do you think about marriage in, <laughs> in the modern day? Well, statistics say that if you get married, you're more likely to divorce than you are to stay together. And uh, I don't really know what that says. Um, uh, I don't know. Uh, it's it's no longer a sacred institution. I know that much. Um, but the other thing as well, one thing that I certainly do know is that if you hold yourself and your partners to a high standard and you don't bounce from relationship to relationship, that if someone does come along and you think, fuck me, like I really feel like I could spend the rest of my life with this person, you're probably, you've probably zeroed your sights in more effectively than if you believe that you're going to spend your life with every person that you ever get with. Hmm. Like it, it doesn't, it doesn't work well to have a, 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 an overconfident idea of what the future is going to hold for relationships. You need to be realistic about it. And that doesn't mean that you need to be like, uh, incredibly critical or down in the dumps or you know uh, very wary you, you do just need to be realistic about it um, but yeah I mean marriage is it's not the it's not the bastion of, of virtue that it, that it used to be um, but then again like uh, there's two arguments to be said here like one of them is should I stick it out with someone that I'm unhappy with because this is what marriage is supposed to be or has the fact that marriage is more fluid now and the relationships are more transactional and divorce is more easily accepted has that liberated people who would have stayed in a relationship they were unhappy in or is this now encouraging people within the, the first sight or smell of, uh, of a disagreement to leave uh a marriage and I, I don't really the devil's in the details with that one I don't really know where the line stands I like what you said on relationships when um, you talked about 
being comfortable being alone and being by yourself and i think personally that's something i've tried to practice even when i'm in relationships is being comfortable and being happy in my own company and i often think that that's when you can actually you know transcend a relationship is when you know for a fact that you know if it fell apart then you'd be perfectly fine by yourself and you mentioned that a lot of people don't know how to do that is there you know is there is there any tips you could give on or any ways people could develop being more comfortable with being by themselves or being in their own company rather than you know being surrounded by people all the time yes i mean i'm a i'm a big proponent of solitude uh, i i actually I've probably got an upcoming podcast about this soon where i think over the last couple of years i've probably taken my solitude too far it's rare that you would hear someone say that i guess now or at least i'd probably be in the minority um but i think get used to spending time on your own get used to going for a walk on your own and not constantly having in the same way as we're told now that we're dopamine junkies because we constantly need the the little hits that we get from our phone and the degree of contact that we have from that you can be a social junkie as well and you can constantly require entertainment or, or connection with other people and then again what did we say earlier on like you came into this world on your own it's you and your mind for the rest of time like that's all that you've got and if the thought of being alone with yourself in a room or on a walk for you know a few hours terrifies you then i think that that's probably a pretty good canary in the coal mine that you could do with spending some time doing some introspective work like the vast majority of this stuff the school of life youtube channel is really fantastic for helping you to understand um so for someone who isn't in a relationship i think don't crave the attention or the 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 connection with someone else like you are perfectly fine on your own you will always be absolutely fine on your own and if someone is fortunate enough to meet your criteria to be a partner then like fucking good on them and good on you for having found them but if they don't then you're going to be absolutely fine and if you're in a relationship and you think uh, well you know we've there's a there was a meme floating around that i've never been able to find again but it said something to the effect of um power in a relationship lies with the person who cares the least mm. and i think that 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 is a a very common um uh, a very common swing of control that a lot of your listeners may be familiar with which is that there is always a pusher and a puller in a relationship. And if you're the pusher and you're the one who's constantly fawning after the other person, it's a a pretty sort of terrible place to be in because you're always, there's low level anxiety. And if you're the puller and you're the person who keeps on kind of wanting to have their own time, then it's also not that nice of a place to be in, especially if you're empathetic because you know that the other person wants you more than you want them or they need you around more than you need them around. And I think that a solution to get away from person in uh, the power in a relationship lies with the person who cares the least is for both people to just be fine on their own and both people to want the best for each other. Like, if you want the best for your partner, then it's not about who cares the most or who cares the least. It's just about what is the most effective way for us to exist together. And you're both fucking well complex. You both haven't got a clue of the first thing that makes you tick. So how do you think that you're going to be able to know what the other per- makes the other person tick? It's incredibly difficult. So just have a bit of compassion for yourself in your moments of weakness and, I guess, celebrate your moments of strength as well. 
and then yeah just tr- literally try it the same as with anything like if you want to get fitter you need to spend some time doing fitness if you want to get stronger you need to spend some time with some weights on your back and if you want to get used to being on your own then book in some solitude like every other Sunday you're going to go for a walk for three hours on your own without headphones or whatever it might be you're going to do something which involves a bit of solitude and just see how you feel and yeah if you if you commit to that you'll very quickly not only get used to it but find out what happens when you quiet your mind and uh, and then yeah hopefully the, the idea of potentially being on your own won't be quite as daunting mm. so you've gone through university you've attained a master's you've been a business owner since since you were a teenager you've also done a lot of things so going from entrepreneurship to currently content creation reality tv you've really got an idea of of both worlds from from the linear path of of the education to the more to the more contrasting with um different types of of worlds and and not paths which typically is prescribed to say the status quo what would your advice be to say a teenager a young adult or maybe even someone older maybe someone going through you know um a sort of life crisis where they're not sure and, and they're unsure where they want to go in life with, with either path. What would you say to someone that's experienced them both? So personally for me, because of the way that I'm wired, I, I knew quite quickly that I was not going to be very good in a typical bureaucratic organization. For me, the idea of being paid purely based on your time served and progression being primarily based on seniority, not on capacity, is one of the worst elements that exist in our society when it comes to careers at the moment. Like, the fact that someone who's been there for 20 years gets the promotion despite being 10% as good as someone who's been there for two years shouldn't make any... It's it's ludicrous. It's just completely, like, stupid. Um, So... I knew quite quickly that that wasn't going to be for me. However, other people, they like the idea of that linear progression. I've got a number of friends, some of whom are incredibly very wise and very clever, but they are wired in a way where they want to turn up to work and they don't want to take their work home with them. Um, I think the, the two, we can quite easily glorify going off and doing it on your own. Like it sounds like a great idea, but it's, it's a, a, very sort of miasm place out there i would advise most people if you have the capacity to i would advise most people to go to university uh reason for that is that i think that entering the working world at 18 either university or some form of further education apprenticeship some like some continuous professional development because like getting back into education after a break is really hard and like entering the working world, uh, even at 21, like, you know, if you finished a bachelor's degree and then you plow yourself straight into a 40, 50 hour a week graduate scheme, like you were so young, you were unable to vote three years ago and you're now doing 50 hours a week of work. Like your youth has been taken from you like uh, prematurely as far as I'm concerned. Um, But if, if someone's unsure about what they want to do, I think spending some time thinking about what you would do if money was no option or if money was no object should I say like if you had all of the money in the world how would you spend your days would you get up and go to the gym would you 
spend your time healing sick dogs? Would you, you know, just paint? Would you play music? Would you travel? Would you do whatever? Like, that's a good place to start because what you would do when money is no object is a pretty good indicator of where your true passion lies. And then work out if you can monetize it or work out if you can start it as a side hustle. Um, you know, work is going to take up a very, very significant proportion of your life. And most people are, as Jordan Peterson says, most people have jobs, they don't have careers. And it's not right for everybody to have a career. Like not everyone in their heart of heart wants it. Not everybody needs to have that, has a yearning for that connection with their job. Um, but yeah, if you are in a place where you're unhappy in work, for as long as you can be financially stable without doing it, then look at something else. Like, how can you go part time and can you start something up on the side? You know, there's there's a lot of different uh, options and routes that are opened up to liberate people from that now. Um, but for university students as well, like it, it, it's not easy. But you are in the greatest time ever to be able to connect with people. Like, build yourself an absolutely brilliant LinkedIn profile and just start to connect with people, um, you know, develop your communication skills, focus on being able to be an engaging communicator, focus on some basics, like learn to copyright, learn what good copy reads like, maybe learn to code, basics of coding, maybe learn basics of web de website development. Like if you've got website development, a little bit of graphic design, and you're a good communicator who can write copy, there's like probably a third of the entire job market is open to you with a tiny bit of training like it's, it's you'd be unstoppable um so yeah think about transferable skills and and value your time very very highly as well like i think too many too many companies now like massive companies expect people these are interns to go in and work for free or work for next to nothing and you're like it's it's just it's slave labor because the people that are coming in these young guys and girls the capacity that they bring and their ability to use um understand how people think online etc etc it's the most valuable or one of the most valuable things that a company can have and yeah don't undersell yourself when you when you're going for new positions at all mm. it sounded as if um you were a proponent type thing of of the university route as far as um you know having those those years of your life free keeping your youth free how do you marry that idea with with sort of this that i think i think a university education and we've talked about this a lot it seems to be such a saturated market the the, the sort of investment which which it takes to go through we've all we've all you got obviously gone through university for me personally i think that they left a sort of bitter um taste in my mouth when i think about the the student debt and and the years and and obviously i mean now considering what we're doing now a really you know a, a, a lower return on investment yeah i know yeah did not need to go at all <laughs> so, you, you are right it's 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 odd because i was very disenchanted with academia by the time that i left like within the space of six months of doing my degree or beginning my degree i was i was so unfussed with learning anything else because i was operating a business which was showing me one thing in the real world and then learning something completely contrary to it in lectures. Uh, so I'm like the perfect avatar. I am patient fucking zero. 
when it comes to someone who was disenfranchised from academia, but yet I did five years at Newcastle. And one of the reasons for that is that for me, university is more about uh, exposing yourself to a high number of new people being forced to make connections and friendships and um, swim the waters of, of social interactions and so on and so forth. Like it's a real developmental stage, that 18 to 23, 25 kind of stage, because you stop changing so much in terms of your body and you start to actually settle into the person that you're going to be for the rest of your life. And you need to, you need to, um, expedite your, uh, ability to, uh, your experience, should I say, expedite your experience of these particular social interactions and what's it like if I find out that my best mate's been sleeping with my bird? Like if you do that for the first time at 35 or 40 years old, you're fucked. Like, you know, you want it to happen. You want to end up suffering a lot and, and winning a lot and losing a lot and, you know, all of those things. And I think the university, for me, the main thing that it gave me was just a, a concentrated pharmaceutical-grade dose of life. And I, I don't think that you're ever... There's no other situation of getting that. Like, you don't get that in the army. You don't get that when you start a, a, a full-time job. Um, so, you know, uni isn't for everybody, but I think if you have the capacity to go, I think it's worthwhile because the lessons that you learn are ones that you do keep with you for life. Um, and they're not the lessons that you learn in your lectures. They're the lessons that you learn with the friends that you make and the situations that you end up encountering. Yeah, I, I resonate with that completely. I mean, I, I was quite disjointed with, um, the criteria and, and things on my course in university, but I think... What I learned most was, for example, before I went to university, I was extremely anxiety-ridden. Um, couldn't really get myself involved in social situations. And I remember in one of my first weeks, my sort of new flatmates dragged me to a nightclub I'd never been to one before. And I was just like a deer in the fucking headlights. I was stood there feeling like, what? The, how the fuck is everyone dancing? Like, I, I don't have that sort of confidence within me. Um, another one where I'd found myself, you know, with no money in my bank account, um, couldn't afford to <laughs> eat really that week. And I was like, what the fuck am I going to do now? And like you said, that's, you can't learn that anywhere else other than you're living on your own. And outside of that, I think I, I, well, we both have learned a lot from reading. Um, and reading is, we're big proponents of it. And what we wanted to know was, are you a massive proponent of reading? And are there any books that have massively influenced your life so far? So I think I'm probably a, quite a good um, example for some of your listeners. Uh, I read a lot as a kid, um, big fiction reader, and then, you know, I had to do, I did two degrees. Like, I, I had to read a lot at uni. But since I have uh, had to spend a lot of time on my phone for work, um, my brain is wired in a way now where a lower stimulus um, situation, like one where I'm just staring at a piece of paper, uh, it makes me agitated, um, which is bizarre because I, I actually don't get that when I'm re when I'm meditating. But um, about a year and a bit ago, I wanted to develop reading more. Uh, I was consuming a lot of audio content, but my retention from audio is poorer. Like I, I love Audible. Audible's fantastic. Anyone who doesn't uh, who doesn't have it should get it. It's like six pounds a month, and you get. 12 bucks a year it's the, the best deal on the planet um but yeah I, I love reading 
it is just something that I find incredibly difficult for me to do. Um, if anyone out there is listening and feels the same, or even for yourselves, there is a website called Farnham Street FS.blog, uh, which is run by Shane Parrish, who is a former three-letter intelligence agency operative, now turned uh, advisor to some of the biggest CEOs in the, in the world and, and just a complete monster when it comes to this stuff. And he has a um, how-to-read guide on there, which is like... Uh, 60,000 words, a compilation of a whole load of different articles he's written. So I started to move through that. Um, And when it comes to books and stuff, things that I've read recently, which I have enjoyed, I say that I found it difficult, but if you read between 15 minutes and 30 minutes a day, you chew through books like you wouldn't believe. Like my, I am the perfect, I'm the, the bastion for unable to hold his attention on a book. And I've been able to chew through quite a lot. So I'm just having a look. What have I got? So I was, I was in Rome this weekend, so I've read um, Angels and Demons by Dan Brown. That was kind of cool fiction. Um, the Dying Animal by Philip Roth. It's a short read, about 150 pages, uh, and it is just a really interesting fiction story, but with a, a, an awful lot of uh, philosophical implications. I read 1984 recently. Um, some of the more non-fiction stuff that I've been reading, uh, Atomic Habits by James Clear is just the fucking Bible on how to make and break habits. Like, if you want a prescriptive book that's got tacit takeaways where you can you can just enact them straight away, Atomic Habits just pisses all over every... Like, it is, it's the only book that you need on habit setting as far as I'm concerned. And seeing as habits, uh, we are what we repeatedly do, right? Like... Seen as that's the case, it is a, a foundational book for people to read. Uh, what else? Uh, Carlo Ravelli, uh, The Order of Time, is really cool. Explains it's like a hundred pages long and pretty much breaks down what time is. It's a little bit slightly heavy going with some of the physics stuff, but it's really beautifully written. Um, the Last Highlander by Alistair Urquhart is about this guy, this guy who got captured by the Japanese in World War Two. Um, and he was made to work, uh, made to work on the um, bridge over the River Kwai, essentially, and was treated terribly by them. And he gets gets locked in a, a, a metal casket in the midday sun for weeks. And usually, people in that situation die, and he somehow doesn't die. And he gets malaria like three, four, five times a year. And then he gets locked on one of these death ships which is like over 100 degrees Fahrenheit inside and no water and no food for two weeks and gets transported over the over the water. And then he's in fucking Nagasaki when the atomic bomb gets dropped and um, he survives all of that and then comes back to Scotland and it's a, a memoir of his, which I, I found to be very, very... It was harrowing and beautiful at the same time and it it's just the... Um, epitome of there is always someone out there who's worse off than you so if you're wallowing in a little bit of self-pity and you kind of want to have your mind reset for that then the last highlander by alistair urquhart will just it will really reset your scope on um what you (laughs) what you think is a good life and then on top of that as well um uh, victor frankl man's search for meaning is kind of a similar similar sort of vein to that with a little bit more psychotherapy added in so yeah there's a a little selection there for people we really appreciate that man and we think that in this conversation we've 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 really covered so so much we can't thank you enough for your time our last question is going to be that if you could distill the lessons that you've learned from your own life and from your podcast modern wisdom 
into a a message a short message that you would share with the world what would it be um i think you are not your thoughts is something that i come back to an awful lot so we often believe that there is a thinker that is separate to the thoughts that are inside of our head and it often means that we're at the mercy of them but that's that's not the truth like you are the only person who can girdle the world around whatever it is that you want to achieve and the power of the mind is is something that you you can't and shouldn't downplay and you should uh you should disbelieve it at your peril so yeah i think remember the fact that you do have the capacity you, you always have the capacity to choose your response in any given situation and there's there's nothing short of just ultimate power in that like you can always choose every single moment of your life you can always choose what you want it to be how you want it to be how you want to behave well chris we can't thank you enough for coming on the show everything which you've talked about we link your podcast all your social media is there any last messages you'd like to share it's it's been fantastic thank you very much for having me on uh anyone who wants to talk more about whatever it is at chris willex on whatever social media it is that you choose to browse on uh feel free to drop me a message and yeah it's 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 been great boys i'll be i'll be looking forward to uh checking in on some of your episodes in the future as well